0: Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Ava Torah, Sirius Simcha, recording 35. Last week, we were introduced to Steve Magnus, a world renowned expert on performance. Magnus has served as an executive coach in really a variety of sectors, but he's best known in his capacity as a consultant on mental health development, specifically for professional sports teams. Guided by his book, we began talking about mental toughness and its essential role in our being able to successfully navigate adversity. Let's continue that conversation, keeping in mind that our goal is to figure out how we can all develop the skills of mental toughness, thereby increasing our happiness. Through his vast experience as a runner and a researcher, Magnus solidified his hypothesis that the tougher runners aren't the ones motivated by blind ambition and confidence. They aren't the ones who think they can do anything they put their mind to. Instead, the tougher runners are those who can accurately assess the demands of a situation. Here's how it works. When our assumption of what we're capable of is out of sync with our goal, we get what's known as the school children version of performance. We'll start a project with almost reckless confidence, only to look up halfway through and realize the work that the undertaking really demands. And when this kind of mismatch exists, we're more likely to spiral towards doubt and insecurity and even completely abandon the pursuit. So contrary to old-school wisdom on what it takes to be tough, a touch of realistic doubt keeps us on track and makes it more likely that we'll persist. Toughness can only develop when we're willing to embrace the reality of a situation and be brutally honest with ourselves as to whether our goal is truly within our reach. It's not about deluding ourselves by pumping ourselves up with false confidence. That will likely send us sprinting, but pretty soon thereafter, once reality hits, the initial dash will be followed by a much slower walk. In Steve Magnus language, being tough begins long before we enter the arena or walk on stage. It starts with our expectations. Now, understanding this first element of mental toughness is so important. And therefore, we're going to take a slight detour to deepen our understanding. Let's equip ourselves with the knowledge of how our neurochemistry, our body responds in relation to what we just described. Think for a moment about a challenge you've had in the past or you're currently facing. And based on a lot of factors, like past experiences, your abilities, who's involved, and many others, you'll respond to that challenge either through a lens of it being a stress or through a lens of it being an opportunity. Stress or opportunity. If you see the challenge as a stress, which can be physical or psychological, then neurochemically, you'll experience a threat response in your body, a rush of cortisol and a shift towards protecting and defending yourself. You'll move into survival mode, thinking about how to just get through the situation with your physical and psychological health intact. And in this mode, you'll take far fewer risks because your focus will be on ensuring that you don't lose instead of focusing on how to win and this latter point is a very powerful observation that Steve Magnus highlights and I encourage you to think about on the other hand if you see the challenge before you as an opportunity for growth or gain as something that's difficult but that you can handle you're more likely to experience in your body a challenge response instead of relying mostly on cortisol your body will release adrenaline and you'll shift towards figuring out how to accomplish, how to win, how to succeed. And here's what's so critical to understand. It's not that the challenge or threat responses are objectively good or bad. They each have a place and a specific purpose, and we need to appropriately utilize them both, right? If we encounter a bear protecting its cubs on a trail, We want a threat response. We want our body to automatically freeze, assess the situation and then calmly walk away. But when we're trying to perform at our best, whether it be at work or relationally, then seeing the challenge through the lens of a threat isn't what we need and it isn't going to help us to be successful. The first step of how we evaluate the challenge before us how we set our expectations will be impacted always by both external factors as well as internal ones. And we can spend so much time just unpacking this one observation. But let's spend just a few minutes talking about the internal factors because it's these which we can impact far more than the external ones. The internal factors that I'm referring to are those narratives that trip us up as they spin around in our head. Narratives that filter how we see reality and which are often misleading and mistaken in our assessment of ourselves and what we're truly capable of. Allow me to share a, a personal example. I've mentioned in the past that I suffer from perfectionism. And sometimes it definitely propels me to do things really well but for the most part, it's a terrible handicap because perfectionism is my filter, which causes me to hear positive feedback, not as something to take in and celebrate, but rather mostly as pressure, as expectation to continue to perform and produce at a consistently high level. Okay. What's so bad about that? You may be wondering. Well, aside from the stomach aches, the headaches, and the fact that it's simply unreasonable, when I don't think that I can deliver at that high level, I won't take on the challenge at all. Because my filter tells me that it's better not to do something at all than to do it well, but not really well. And that's where perfectionism rears its ugly head. Because it holds me back from engaging in things that I really want to do but I won't do unless I believe that I can do them really, really well. This is the mismatch we described earlier, an opportunity which is filtered through perfectionism, thereby eliciting a stress response instead of seeing it as a challenge. And you don't have to suffer from perfectionism to feel what I just described. I remember someone once said to my husband, you know, being the rabbi of a prominent congregation is kind of like playing for the New York Yankees. Strikeouts won't be tolerated. Think about that statement as a narrative in your head as you sit at your desk trying to work. Do you think neurochemically you'll relate to the opportunities before you as a challenge, opportunity, or as a stress? There is so much here to think about. And next week, we'll talk more about how to respond to these mismatches between our assessments and reality as we continue to understand what it takes to develop mental toughness.